Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Upfront. I'm Chloe Morgan. And I'm Rachel O'Sullivan. Another night at Wembley. Another trophy in Leah Williamson's hands. Oh my God. We've done it again. England battled past Brazil last week in the finalissima. But ahead of England's final game before Wiegmann's World Cup squad tonight, what have we learnt? Elsewhere, Brighton have a new gaffer. And in our final section, we take a deep dive into the art of goalkeeping. Finally... If only we had a former Brighton goalkeeper on the pod. Hmm. Um, Well, we're in luck because we just happen to have that. Uh, Welcome to the pod, former Arsenal, London Bees and Brighton goalkeeper, Sophie Harris. Hello, ladies. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. Um, I mean, you're already sort of up there as one of our most favourite and treasured guests. You've set Um, the bar high. Very high because I think you're going to gift us something. We've never been gifted anything before. Well, I thought to myself, what am I going to bring to the table? I've got two ladies here that are absolutely smashing it in life right now. So I was like, how am I going to kind of get myself up there really and and join the crew? So I thought to myself, what can I bring to the table? And if you ask any of my teammates... They're going to be so jealous right now because, you know, it's your birthday. You have to bring something in. Of course. And I'm like, right, what can I bring? And I have brought my legendary shortbread Come on all the table. So thank you for having me. Enjoy. It's probably not a 10 out of 10 this time, but... Oh, my God. Amazing. We're literally reaching in. We're all, eating, guys. All hands in. Wait a second. 
One second. We'll, we'll tell you now. Pick, we'll pause the pod. Live reaction. Oh, the big bits better. Big bits. Big bits. Wait a second. You can in. actually hear the crunch. Ready? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Like an ASMR podcast. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Mm. Delivering everything. These are podcast. My God. This is amazing. Oh wow. They just get better. You um, can come again, Soph. Thank you. Future <laughs> guests. Future <laughs> guests. The bar is high now. <laughs> I mean, that is, um, that's quite a way to start the podcast. Sorry, I'm absolutely chewing my mouth full here. How rude of me. I'm so sorry to our listeners. Mm. Um, I mean, it's been, been a bit of a mental week. Bit of a bit, bit of a mental week. Uh, I've already had the, the final listener. Absolutely incredible game. Uh, very much a game of two halves. Um, but before we get tucked into that, Rach, see what I did there with that pun? Very good. Thank you. I like it. Um, I mean, you've got a little story for us about Katie McCabe. I mean... Uh, after that clip last week about, you know, wanting to light a candle for uh, you it know, getting her back. It was all very timely with Easter. And, um, you know, apparently that's when Jesus rose from the dead or something. Mm. Did um, he find his way out of a cave? Something like that, yeah. Mm. Obviously lit a candle. Um, and it turns out that Katie McCabe's nanny did, in fact, light her a candle. Never. Yeah. So the power of the candle, I can confirm, like, my gran will take, like, multiple buses to get to a particular church mm. to light a particular candle if I have like a job interview or I don't know something that I have coming up an exam she'd be off and she'd light me a candle so it works and Katie McCabe is proof of that so Arsenal's WSL title hopes literally are due to Katie McCabe's grandmother yeah I mean she might need to light another one if they want to win it because I think this candle was very much specific to the foot get her back yeah Mm -hmm. so there you go well, you heard it here first. Uh, insider knowledge about Katie McCabe's grandmother. Um, right, let's move on very swiftly. Rach take another bite out of her amazing shortbread. Uh, the finalissima, 83,000 fans at Wembley, a stoppage time equaliser from Brazil and England's first ever penalty win for a 30-game streak, unbeaten streak. I mean... Went into the game. We weren't too sure what to expect. Obviously, Brazil had a couple of their key players out. Um, yeah, I, was, I wasn't I was too sure how it was going to go down, but it was a very uh, formidable, comfortable, confident first half. <laughs> Things changed <laughs> fairly swiftly after 45 minutes. But um, Rach, I mean, you were there. What did you make of it? Right, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it the finalissima because that's what I've been calling it the whole time and I don't know what one's right. But um, really liked the first half. Like, mm. we kind of saw what England are about, some really classy play. That first goal kind of exemplified the kind of football we've been seeing England play under Serena Wiegmann. So that was great. Um, Definitely should have scored more. Uh, I thought the Brazilian keeper had a good game, good first half especially. Um, And then Brazil then changed, kind of changed how they've been playing in the second half. It came out like all guns blazing. And I feel like England were a little bit lackadaisical, Mm -hmm. a little bit relaxed, a little bit too relaxed. Um, Found themselves under pressure a lot, um, which actually... I'm kind of glad about it. I kind of wanted to see that. It's important that we see that, uh, especially when you don't have... It's, but the good thing about the finalism is that it's a competitive game. You're fighting for a trophy, right? And having just friendlies between two major tournaments isn't ideal because you're just not getting that same kind of competitiveness. So I think having that something to fight for was crucial. Mm. Um, and actually having them pegged back and having to win through penalties is a really good experience for them to have had before a major tournament. So while it wasn't their best performance... They're not going to be amazing every single time, every single 90 minutes. Um, And it's important how they come back from that. So, yeah, an important experience for them to bank. 
Yeah, I mean, I think we've got to give Brazil credit. I mean, tactically, they had set up in a, you know, five at the back, which is quite unusual nowadays. But obviously, I mean, Pia, after the uh, game had finished, had said that, you know, that was an intentional thing for her, that she wanted to kind of have a bit of a, not a slow first half, but a very sort of, you know, getting into the game type uh, first half and then go full guns blazing uh, in the second half. But I mean, Soph, what did you kind of make of it? You were there, is that right? Or watching it on on TV? No, yeah, I was watching it, but it's a brave move, wasn't it? To uh, kind of have those tactics to start off with um, because like like you said could have been about three or four before mm. half time and then where does that leave you for the second half you kind of like a, it's an almost nothing half so I think credit to the goalkeeper there for kind of keeping them in the game um, but I think you look and it's it's all about mentality for them that I think that's one of the key words that came out of, of, of the game and they're going to be obviously when it comes to the World Cup they're going to be up against teams that are going to sit back and let them have a lot of possession and then they're going to come up against teams like they did in the Euros, uh, where they're going to press aggressively. And I think that was a good opportunity, like you said, in a, a game that you win something for, for it, um, to kind of go against both of those and, and see how, how it goes and, and, le- and learn bits from it and take it into the next, obviously, game um, to, to lead them up to the World Cup. You couldn't ask for better to get like a penalty shootout 100%. before a World Cup. Like... The drama. Yeah, and like you wouldn't have got that if you just had friendlies. No. It wouldn't be a penalty shoot, it would just be a draw. So actually, they, it's it's really lucky that they managed to get an experience like that. You think as well, like the Euros, they're at their home ground, like like you said, 80-something thousand people there. Like that is literally setting you up for a perfect um, like situation for if they're in the World Cup. Like, and it goes to penalties. That's the perfect kind of way to practice, isn't it? That pressure. Exactly. Mm. Like you can't, you can't, like if you're in training, you can't get that in training. It, it only comes like, so I think it was a perfect situation to be in for them. Also a lot of deja vu. I mean, the, the goal scorers, um, I mean, what are the odds? Did you see Lucy Bronze? Lucy Bronze said that she, I think she was meant to be fifth and Chloe Kelly was like sixth or seventh. Yes. And actually when they realised that it was coming down to the final penalty, her, Leah and, and Lucy decided that to switch it and put Chloe up for it. I think that's amazing, though. I think that just goes to show that even though, obviously, Serena would have talked about penalties and that game going to and she would have had a structure of who she wanted. Actually, there's an adaptability and a lot of leadership in that squad to actually just take the call on the day because things do change. Mentality changes during games, high-pressure situations. And Chloe Kelly is... You know, she's not scared of high-pressure situations. We saw that in the uh, in the summer last year. So I think it would have meant so much to her to get another winning 100%. goal at Wembley uh, only, what, eight, eight months or so before? I have a question for you both. Go on. Chloe Kelly's penalty form is slightly bizarre. Um, she does that weird giant step, if you remember. Mm-hmm. She kind of starts a bit like a matrix pose and then she like launches herself like into it. Like a praying mantis type Yeah, thing. unusual. Mm. And, and the, the one... One of the, I think, was of the two that um, Brazil scored was one of these little tippy tippy tappy ones that got really mm. slowly. Oh, Annoying. I hate that shit. As goalkeepers, how off-putting is that? I mean, it's different for every. Like when I obviously played, it was like the ones that take the penalties quite frequently. You do your research on, and you mm. kind of like you kind of know what you expect almost. And if you've done your prep right, you kind of know which way to go. But with those ones where they literally just stop before they're about to kick it, it's almost like 
do we go? Do we wait? Yeah. I don't know. Did you used to wait and react to what kind of came to you? Or you were like, I'm going one way. I'm just set with that. I think if they're in the run, I would probably take an, I'd take an anticipated move just before they're about to kick. But I think even though you do your research, you then got to add the research on top of the game live situation. So yeah. reading things like body language or left or right foot or... Uh, I don't know how that player's kind of been in the game or their, their run up, whether it's curved, whether it's straight. Um, and you can kind of just use your sort of experience, like whether they, sometimes they try and do that thing where they look at a left corner and then they actually go right or actually they look at the left corner and actually they're going to go to the left corner. So it's, um, it is a bit of a, it's a mental minefield. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, leading on for that, you've got to talk about Mary Earps. I mean, the mentality that it takes making a, a very obvious error that's obviously taken them through to the penalty shootout in the first place and Mary Earps who's not put a foot wrong pretty much for about 50 years um, then to bounce back from that and have the penalty shootout that she did I mean Soph what were your thoughts on that that penalty shootout and, and Mary's performance because I mean wow yeah I spoke on it earlier obviously she she has a winning mentality and I think for her to make that mistake she would have been disappointed mm. she keeps very high expectations for herself so I think it was a perfect opportunity to kind of um, like obviously with the mistake to kind of turn it around and she would have been so determined like you could see it in her she was so pumped like I need to make it up to the people that yeah. are here right now and even for myself like I need to make it up for myself um, fair play to her some of those penalty saves were great like they were decent penalties and she even like, the first one because she got her hand to yeah, the first yeah. one yeah. like the power of it to yeah. get past her I think from that though like that gives you the confidence of for the next one I'm going to get that next one if you're like uh, dive in the opposite way for quite a few you're thinking oh like I really need I need to put pressure on myself for the next one but she was getting her hand to it like she was close and I think like the confidence you get from each penalty like it just showed and her emotion at the end it, it just proved how much mm. that meant to her massively I mean I was looking back because where I was sat was like on the opposite end so I was, I've been looking back over the penalties like quite a few times over the Easter weekend you can tell how sad I am um, and the penalties themselves, I don't think they're, I mean, they give it away with their body language quite a lot, the the Brazilian penalty takers. I mean, the majority of the runs were curved. And I think we both know that sort of, you know, you're more likely to see a strike across your body than to open out your body and side foot it into the other side. So I think Mary probably had a bit of an indication about where those penalties were going. And the one the one that she was beaten on was the side footer that went uh, into the bottom right-hand corner. Um, but again, I think it's just it's, it does just go to show that kind of winning mentality that she does have and the ability to bounce back from mistakes so quickly. And also, I've got to give a shout out to the relationship that she has with her goalkeeping coach because Darren Wood, if you looked at some of the footage after the uh, when we were going to the penalty shootout, he had taken her to one side while they were doing the group huddle, while they were figuring out who was going to be the penalty takers. And you can see him putting an arm around her, just going, look, we've made a mistake. Let's move on from that because we don't have, you don't, you don't have time. You don't have time to sit there and dwell on it and wish the floor would open up and eat you and, and you could just crawl into a space and mm. never see the light of day again. And we've all been there. But um, yeah, that, I just thought that was a really beautiful moment that they shared there. It's the confidence. It's to know that a mistake doesn't define you as a goalkeeper. She yes. knows, like, I mean, she's just been awarded the FIFA best goalkeeper like she knows she's the best goalkeeper in the world but people make mistakes mm. um, and you know producer Finn is asking us here am I being too generous by saying it was a, a good experience for England to have look obviously we would want to win this game comfortably that'd be great mm. but I want Mary Earps to be making she doesn't make many, many mistakes no. I'd rather she make a mistake in that game than in a World Cup All day. you know I'd rather England get challenged and pushed here than in the World Cup, for example. And I would rather that they have had ex an experience of a, a pressure situation for a penalty shootout 
before a World Cup than in a World Cup. So yeah, like, you know, you always do look at games, even games you lose, to try and find a, what can you learn from it to find a positive spin? Because if it's all doom and gloom, then you're not learning anything and then it's entirely pointless, isn't it? How do you move forward? So actually, for me, I do think there are positives to take from from this game. Yeah, you look at Mary and like, in 2019, she was third choice goalkeeper. And Mm. in, in the space of that time, like since Serena, it takes one person to believe in you and Serena's done that and and the progression that Mary's shown in the space of two years is insane and for like you look at all of her games I think um she's played 32 senior caps and she's got 21 clean sheets like that's that's crazy that just shows the confidence that she's got and you look at her performances and there's one mistake in those games and I think for her to be able to bounce back like you said so quickly from that and in that penalty shootout just goes to show like I said earlier like the mentality that she has and I think like you said it's better to have that mistake kind of under your belt, learn from mm. it, going into the World Cup, she's going to be more determined than ever, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not a coincidence that Manchester United are currently top of the table uh, and she's... Any opportunity for her to throw that in. Any podcast. <laughs> we could literally be talking about any subject and that would get in there somehow. I will shoehorn that in there by hook or by crook, okay? Um, but she's obviously achieved record number of WSL clean sheets this season, uh, only because he did nine goals this year, which is currently the best defensive record yeah. to date. Uh, on track for the Golden Glove with 11 clean sheets, uh, Zinsberg on nine, AK Bay AK Bay AK Bay AK Bay AK B on five Eddie Roebuck on five and Mackenzie Arnold on five too um, but talking about another goalkeeper a slightly more controversial goalkeeper should we say Hannah Hampton uh, returns after being excluded from the last three camps now kind of been promoted into the third spot I would have put her in the fourth spot uh, because of Sandy McIver's injury I mean so what are we what are we saying here? Why is why has Serena allowed her back in after there was some concerns about her behaviour and um, you know maybe not not re- or not ready yet for international duty? But apparently getting there now. You look at the squad, don't you? And I, I think it's a young but experienced squad. And Hannah's one of those one of those players that you can say she's still very young. Mm. She's still learning a lot, um, but she's got the experience. Like she's been Aston Villa's. Uh, number one keeper she was at Birmingham etc so I think it, it's, it's a good test for her now she's obviously had that that kind of negativity in, in like the media and stuff and it's how does she bounce back from that she's obviously back playing for Villa now and and her performances have been good and I think the players that Villa have brought in such as Jordan Nobbs and and Lucy Staniforth I think those are players that can kind of ground her a little bit and, and kind of help her and give her that experience to to kind of like when she goes to camps and stuff mm. kind of build on that um but yeah so it, it's, it's a different it's a difficult one isn't it because injuries are going to come and go in in obviously there's four of them trying to fight for a spot in the world cup so i think the next few months are obviously going to be really important for hannah um and it's how can she how can she use that um, and put her foot her best foot forward for that well, what an amazing experience it's, uh, it's potentially going to be for her if she is chosen for the uh, the World Cup squad, um, just even for the holiday out to Oz, to be honest. <laughs> Viegman has suggested that the lineup will remain largely unchanged against Australia tonight. Um, this is, of course, England's last game before Viegman names her World Cup squad. Exciting times. Uh, do you think we're close to the starting eleven that will face Haiti in the opening group stage game, Rach? Yeah, I reckon we're nearly there. I think there are one or two players that she's kind of waiting on. Mm-hmm. You know, I think she'll take Fran Kirby if she can. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, you'll have the likes of probably Alex Greenwood back, Millie Bright back, because um, Alex Greenwood has obviously gone home from this camp, I think, with concussion um, from what I saw of the game. So we're close. 
Um, I think there's maybe a couple of players in there who are getting the experience just in case one of those doesn't doesn't make it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, Frank Kirby, Millie Bright. Um, what about Zellum? I think Zellum might be making a, a last minute appearance. Potentially, potentially we'll see. Uh, I, but I think this is as close, like really, really, really close. And I think the only reason it's not the the 23 that are going to go to Australia is just because a couple are injured. But in terms of starting 11, I think we're probably pretty close in the finalissima except for the back line. Um, you know, you have to factor in that Millie wasn't there. That kind of shifted players, Rachel Daly now being put in as a forward. Mm. Um, but I think we'd be pretty close with what we saw the other night. Do you know what I love is the fact that we, we can talk about the squad and the depth that England have now. You can look at the bench and any one of those players, I think, can fit in mm. nicely. Like the versatility, you say Rachel Daly can either play at fullback or at number nine or Leah can play in centre midfield or at centre back. And I think this is probably one of the most exciting England squads we've had for a long time for that. Yeah, because I think after the Euros, um, with some of the players stepping down or players being injured, we thought, will we still have that same impact with substitutions or Mm. finishers, if you like, um, as we did in the Euros? And I think we will. I think we will have players that will come on. Like you could have Alessi Russo come off and Rachel Daly step in. Mm. You know, and like they're two, they're top, top players to be coming off the bench. So it's quite exciting that they're they're hopefully going to be able to maintain that kind of impact with the, the rotation in the squad. I think as well, um, like going into the next few weeks, is everyone's going to be cautious of like loading of injuries. How stressful is that? Yeah, mm. that you you look at like when they go away for into the obviously the the finalissima was was important last week, but then you think the the, the schedule for the WSL, like the cup games that are coming up, Champions like, League, mm. exactly. Like you just think. Right, I, obviously they want to win that, but I want to make sure that I'm flying, going like, and give myself the best chance for the World Cup as well. How, as players, do you manage that? Because as as a fan or as media watching it, like Jesus Christ, when Katie McCabe went down, I was like, well, <laughs> may as well not go to the World Cup. Um, no, that's a bit extreme. But like, you know, you're watching players like, get up, get up. Oh my God, get up. Why are they down? You know, you're seeing Millie Bright on crutches on Instagram. Like, how hard is it as a player to obviously be fully 100% committed to your club, but in the back of your mind, you're like... What if? I know. I think I mean, it's probably more worrying for the outfield players to see the goalkeeper go down oh because God, um, yeah. <laughs> that's the fear once we've gone down. Obviously, you've got your second choices to step in, but it's really bloody hard for a second choice to come in mid-game uh, and depending on where you are in the game and how you're doing. So I, I would be more nervous on the outfield side. Can I, I shout out Siobhan Chamberlain who did that in the quarterfinals of the World Cup in Canada against Canada in 2015. Karen Bardsey went down. She got some of the weird pellets in her eye. Like, they, you know, they were playing on like 3G. Yeah. And she got one of the pellets in her eye and like her eye like kind of was she couldn't see very well. Siobhan Chamberlain stepped on. That, yeah, yeah. And had a great game and they beat Canada in it, Vancouver. It does happen. It either goes one or two ways for a second <laughs> choice keeper. You either have an absolute shitter or you pull out an absolute well. There's no middle ground. <laughs> But a quick shout out for Scotland. Uh, they beat Australia 1-0 at Plough Lane on Friday. Uh, Rach, you were there. What were your thoughts on it all? Um, I thought Scotland deserved the win. Um, they edged it. Um, I mean, Australia, of course, are missing some key players. Um, Steph Catley, Caitlin Ford, Sam Kerr apparently had a niggle. Um, I reckon she'll be playing tonight, though. Uh, so it was probably managing minutes there. Um, Alana Kennedy wasn't playing, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a few youngsters on. But I thought Scotland were really solid at the back, so they made it difficult. But Australia... Equally unlucky not to get a goal. They hit the crossbar twice. Um, but yeah, it was just a bit of a bit of a flat game. So I thought probably important for Scotland. I don't think they've beaten a, a team in the top 10 since 2019. So important for them to get that win, especially when you know like this team is hosting the World Cup and they'll be 
you know, wanting to go as far as they can in the World Cup. So a good win for them. Um, Doherty's goal for Scotland was special. It seemed to hang in the air for an absolute age and eventually dropped neatly into the top corner. Um, but yeah, it'll be be interesting to see how Australia get on against England tonight. Um, especially what team will go out, What t- who's going to line up defensively for England mm. with Alex Greenwood out again. Um, with if Sam Kerr is playing, it could be a whole different ball game. So it'll be an interesting one. I think it gives those those players though that are potentially on the edge um, a ch- an opportunity to be to to put their best foot forward and say, look, this is what I'm made of. Like like pick me, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Like they might not have got that chance otherwise. And I think that like we've said, going from now to the World Cup, there there will be potential changes, whether that is due to injury. So yeah, it will it will provide that opportunity for those players to be able to do that. Mm. Well, that's a beautiful little segue because talking of changes, thank you. Uh, oh, nice. Brighton, they've got a new boss, Melissa Phillips. Uh, she was announced as the new head coach on Friday. Uh, she is their third coach of the season. Uh, I mean, so I've got to throw to you as our kind of Brighton expert of the day. Uh, you were there for a season and a half under Hope Powell. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts about the the new appointment? I think for me, I look at that that appointment and I think it's more of a long term. I think her her contract is until June 2025. Um, so they, they, they are looking more long term. And you just look at the um, the impact that she had at London City. And when, when obviously she became manager, they've been they've been fighting for the title for the past couple of years. Um, so I, I spoke to the girls at, Lon- the, at London City and they said um, it wasn't like until she left, they realised just what a big leader she was mm. and that they'd lost. So I do think Brighton have appointed well now, obviously, um, their, their manager prior, um, Jens, obviously wasn't there for for a very long time. So I think it was important now that the the, the manager that they do bring in um, is going to be crucial for the next for the next obviously few weeks. It's such an important time for them. Uh, I think the, the the group they have obviously is a lot different to when when I was. There. I think there's only four players there now, so they've had a lot of change the past couple of seasons. Um, and I think they just need some stability now in terms of obviously Amy's been there and when she was interim manager she's been she's been amazing for them um, that's probably where they've got their results from um, but it's crucial that Mel obviously comes in very similar um, I've heard to, to Serena in, the, oh, in terms of um, holding those high standards um, like the work rate they give the values and core beliefs that they have like it's more the person rather than the player um, so I think she's bringing some positives to Brighton and obviously the big game at the weekend is, mm. is a great place to start really, isn't it? Gosh, yeah, like into the frying pan straight away. Do you know what I mean? But what a fantastic opportunity that would be. I mean, they are going into that fixture as the underdog. So. Which is the FA Cup semi-final, by the way. Yes. Against Man United. I mean, can you imagine? First game in, FA Cup semi-final, they destroy Manchester United. Silence. Sorry, it was just crickets there. <laughs> 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 but you don't know because you do have that new manager bounce, yeah. don't there's, you? There's there's not, I don't think there'll be a huge amount of pressure on her going into that game. Also no. factor in, they're literally coming back from international break. She's got zero time with the full squad, really. Yeah. Um, so that's not easy. I think this game is, is key for her, we were speaking, weren't we? In in sense of seeing what she's got, going and putting in a good performance and almost using that for their next game. I think it's Everton, isn't it? In the WSL, using that performance and kind of having a look, what players have I got? 
um, and, and put that for the WSL. That's going to be their priority in staying up, isn't it? I thought it was quite interesting purely because obviously she left London City Lionesses in January when they were top of the table, right? So mm. do, doing pretty well to go over to the US. So you're thinking, okay, this must be a pretty big opportunity for her to to make that quite a big shift. Mm. And she's back. She's back already. So I can understand. I think it's a win-win for her. You know, she's she's going to coach a WSL team, get that experience. If she keeps them up, she's a hero. To me, it makes a lot of sense. Like From a, per- a personal career development perspective, it makes a lot of sense for her to do that shift up into the WSL. Yes, there is a risk that they could be relegated. And like you said, so before, yes, there is a risk that also London City could be promoted and therefore <laughs> she finds herself on the other end of the channel. So annoying. Again. Could you imagine? Um, God damn it. But at the same time, realistically, I don't think, I mean, famous last words, that Brighton are going to be relegated with those two games in hand. So all she has to do is literally just keep them from that bottom spot. And if she does that, yeah, she's walking away with an MBE. You look at their <laughs> their fixtures, don't you? And they, they've still got to play the teams around them. They've still got to play Spurs. They've still got to play Leicester. Everton twice, West Ham, like they, West Ham and Liverpool, they're, they're kind of teams that aren't really fighting for much. Whereas Brighton, mm. they need to stay up. So I think their run of games, there is high potential for them to stay up. Um, I'm, I'm, I am so excited. Do we kind of over egg the impact of a change in manager during the season? Does it hugely impact the dressing room? Like you said earlier, this is the third manager. They've obviously had Amy Merricks twice. So technically, like they've had four managers, if you think about it, you know, f- maybe four different voices in the dressing room. Does it, does it massively impact or do you think new manager bounce is a real thing? So if I'll let you go on this one, because I've never actually had a managerial change mid-season. I've been quite lucky to have had quite consistent managers. Yeah, no, I I had the, the experience at Leicester and I think it just brings a new voice. I think, obviously, results haven't been going their way and it's almost like you look for the leader and you see the impact, like you take Serena as an example, the impact that she had coming in and you speak to every single player and they love playing for her. So I think it does have a massive impact. The, obviously, the voice that you hear, the leader, the, the people that pick the team, you do want to go out and you want to prove a point. You want to play for them. You want to enjoy playing in front of of, of the fans, but but for them as well, like they're the one that's going to pick the team at the end of the day, no one else. Um, so I, I do think it's a good good change for them. Obviously, um, speaking to the girls, the impact that, that Mel can have. And I think it's for her, the WSL is probably... I'm going to be biased, but the best league in the world Amen. for women. Um, so when you get that opportunity, obviously she went to the US, I think she was a system, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that would have been a great experience for her, but she's now leading mm. Brighton in the WSL. Like you can't, it's all about risk. And, I, and for me, you can't turn down the opportunity. Do you know what? She could come back. The WSL could restart after the international break and, and Brighton could be 10th if they win this game because they play their game in hand before it kind of kicks back off again it's yeah, it. yeah. so they're playing it on the 19th they're currently nine points if they win that game they'll leapfrog Leicester and Reading like so not to put loads on that game they just have the small matter of the FA Cup semi-final to play as well <laughs> but when you think about it that Everton game could have a huge impact on their season and that could be like you were saying Sophie they're kind of looking at that FA Cup she's kind of looking to see 
what she can make of the team from that fixture. And, and I reckon that Everton game is going to be the one where they're like three points are bust kind of. Well, I just think it's a team with so much potential. I mean, they have investment, they have facilities, they have the players there. I mean, so if you're obviously there, you kind of saw a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes. I mean, the structure seems to be there, right? It's been there since the start. Like they've invested in the women's setup, like right from the start. You can obviously see that they have that, um, which so I'm a bit I'm a bit disappointed to for where they could have potentially been. I mean, it was a great start. I think they were they were like in the top four at one point when when obviously hope was there. Um, so yeah, I am I'm 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 interested to see obviously what happens, but the the infrastructure's there, the the um, the environment that they have, they're obviously there at the they've got their own facility at the men's training ground. Like everything's there for them to succeed. So I'm hoping, like you look now, this appointment kind of puts them in the right direction. Consistency. Yes, I think that's what they need, yeah. really. Like, like you said, they've had so many changes with personnel, with players, with staff. Hopefully now this appointment can give them that consistency and help them obviously stay up. Well, it seems like they've just got to ride out the end of the season um, and then hopefully start afresh maybe for, for the new season in 2023, 2024. Oh my God, where's time going? Uh, I mean, Brighton Women and Girls Managing Director Zoe Johnson said, we are really looking forward to starting work with Melissa, helping her settle in and supporting her in some very immediate short-term aims with the forthcoming Cup and League matches. That short-term aim is staying About up. two minutes. Yeah, stay yeah, basically, Melissa's no got pressure. two minutes with the squad and then straight into an FA Cup yeah. semi-final. Good luck, Melissa. We wish you all the best. Do you know what though we were saying was I think this is the most exciting WSL um season that there's been, both at the top and at the bottom. Like within a matter of one round of games, it can all change. Yeah. Imagine being a team in the middle. You wouldn't you'd just not turn up anymore, <laughs> would you? <laughs> Might as well start their holiday from now, get some rest in before the World Cup. <laughs> Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The best section, 
The absolute best section. Here we go. The art of goalkeeping, as it's been entitled by our producer, Finn. With two goalkeepers in the studio, in myself and Soph, uh, we really wanted to drill down on the position, the coaching of it, our experience of it, and also how goalkeeping has changed over the course of our careers. Uh, Sophie, you retired last month after 11 years as a professional player. I mean, we've got to go back to the start when you were first honing your craft. You've got some very interesting stories about oh the relationship gosh. that you had uh, with your dad. Um, yeah, do you want to tell us about that? <laughs> Yeah, so I've mentioned in previous, like, my dad was my coach growing up and I was very lucky um, for that. Obviously, he was probably one of the main reasons as to why I got where I I did in my career. Um, But yeah, it kind of went a little bit sour when I'm obviously, you know, in my professional career, I'm loving life and the the players that he was coaching uh, come and take my spot. <laughs> so I said to him, I was like, Dad, you're going to have to stop now because you're just ruining my career. The whole point was <laughs> you got to be there for me and now the players that you are coaching are coming and taking my spot. It happened twice. I said, you've got to stop now. Um, he retired um, and Good. now I'm retired. You can go back to it if he likes. But um, yeah, so it just goes to show like he obviously was a great coach and um, a little sp- bit too good. Yeah, mm. a little bit too good. Yeah. But I, I was very lucky. Not not many girls had that opportunity. Mm. Like we spoke, um, the amount of goalkeeping coaches that were around at that time were very limited. So yeah, I was lucky to have him. Um, and apart from my, uh, my, I was in a family full of goalkeepers. My brother was a goalkeeper, obviously. My dad and my brother used to just put me against the fence in the garden and fire balls at me. Love and- that. <laughs> And that was, yeah, so that was kind of our, our family family experience, sorry, growing up. Um, I love that because normally people are like, oh, I got put in goal because someone got <laughs> injured or because we didn't have one. I love that someone that my whole family were goalkeepers. Like, I didn't have a choice. I was going to be a goalkeeper. That yeah. was it. My, no, I, I, I spoke to my brother the other day and he says, I still remember that time when we were, up, when we were in the garden. I thought I had a shot in it top corner and I just come out of nowhere and tip it over the fence. <laughs> but obviously it went over the fence. We had to then go and get it, which he wasn't happy about. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can't even remember it, but he still does. So it just goes to show like the impact that it has growing up and stuff like that. Wow. And are you still speaking to your dad after? Um, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Okay, amazing. <laughs> I'm retired now. So all of that. Back on good bed. terms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Back back invited to Christmas parties again. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you guys, because we were talking about this before we came into the studio. You know, we often talk a lot about the professionalisation of the game and the changes that have come from that and how fast the game has grown. But often the last thing to reach that or the last thing to be professionalised was goalkeeping, right? Because we had teams being professional, but getting a goalkeeper coach was almost the last piece of the puzzle. And you look at that back at the 2019 World Cup and one of the big talking points about that tournament was the incredible goalkeeping. Mm. Like how quickly a goalkeeping coach made an impact. Do you remember your first, obviously your dad, but do you remember at a club like your first goalkeeping coaches? Yeah, I think we've we've discussed and I think that was the position that kind of got put back mm-hmm. and, and was uh, kind of not a priority in teams. Um, and there was there was times where we would get volunteers or you would see like on the other team where the assistant manager would just like throw a few balls in the warm-up and be like, yeah, that's fine, they should be warm or you just kick it however you like at them. And, and there's a, I'm going to be biased, but there's a, there's an art and craft to our, to our position there and really it's is. very specific. Um, and I feel like obviously now people are seeing that the 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 level of goalkeeping is 100% improving you see the young the young um, females coming through like it, it is amazing you obviously they're getting coached from such a young age and i think it just goes to show that having that 
that investment in that position is just going to work wonders, like you said, like the quality of goalkeepers that are coming through is, is really showing. Yeah, I think it's been a really interesting time for goalkeeping. I think me and Sophie being the sort of older generation of goalkeepers, and I'd say that loosely because Sophie's a few years younger than me. And we're all still babies. We are all still babies, yeah. I mean, late <laughs> 20s, early 30s are still kind of babyish. Yeah, mid-30s for, for you. Nearly. And um, yeah, I think when I first, I mean, I was a, a right back for a very long time and then I only just got into goalkeeping at 21 uh, when I was thrown into it after an injury. Yeah, not so, See? Not, not an exciting story. Is, yeah, I wish I had something more exciting to say about that. Um, and I didn't have a goalkeeper coach up until I was about 24, 25. And the difference between where I was sort of just doing, like Sophie was saying, sort of couple of volleys to hands, couple of low dives for a warm up and then going from that to talking about distribution and playing out from the back and communication styles and mentality, resilience, confidence building, um, underarm throws, overarm throws, dealing with your barriers, like all the kind of technical aspects um, that go with goalkeeping. Like it's not just when you see Mary Earps making a save like that, that's come because she's in the right position, her hand shape's right, the distribution of her body weight is right, Her the communication that's been in the lead-up to that shot has been right. All these really minute bits of detail that you don't get unless you have a coach who knows how to teach you about those things. So unless you have that, you, you're you not going to take it to the next level. So I wouldn't have been at, you know, Spurs wouldn't have made it into the, I wouldn't have made it into the WSL had I not had a goalkeeper coach in the lead-up in the two, three seasons before that. You go from being used as a prop to help your forwards learn how to score, mm. which is effectively what you you be used as, to actually being, actually we need our goalkeeper to be a really good goalkeeper for the rest of the team because that sets the rest of the team up if you've got a good keeper between the sticks. I mean, I know this isn't the same. I played hockey and I would play for my club for years and then went away to Amsterdam for a year to, and I played hockey over there and, and the, the Dutch are the best in the world. And I would have to come to hockey early, an hour early, just to have goalkeeper coaching. And like one season of that and I came home like, oh my God, this is insane. So like, I can't imagine when it's your career. God, what a difference that would have made when you when you actually started getting like proper goalkeeper coaching. Yeah, 100%. And I think you speak about all the different aspects of goalkeeping. And when like an outfield coach watches or your manager watches, they don't know those, those specific details mm. that you need to learn. And say, for example, we make a save. Oh, it's a good save. Yeah, but but why? Mm-hmm. Or or we make a mistake and it's, oh, like they should be doing better there. And and it's almost like like I look at my, I'm so protective over my goalkeepers now when I'm coaching because you don't know the hundred things that they've had to do prior to that one moment mm. then to be able to make that save or they, they think, oh, they should just be doing that better. But we see it as, oh, they've parried it into a good area. And I think that's what, helps having that goalkeeping coach to then have your back almost as well mm. um to be able to kind of give give that knowledge to the coaches because I think it's so important to have that and, and have that you say goalkeeping union don't you everyone hears it but but as cliche as it is it is really it's important mm. yeah like, do you know how hard it is dealing with a one-on-one situation like how many things you've got to read in a split second like Rachel's <laughs> just like rolling her eyes like <laughs> we could be here for hours no, but, no I, I get it like it's tr- I know a different sport but I get it like it is true it is like pitch conditions ball speed where like the angle of the ball like you know you start in body position like how quickly you're coming out like it's just did things change like was there a noticeable difference when you went to Arsenal in terms of just in terms of like the facilities and like training or was it you know where goalkeepers still not getting uh, 
Um, no, yeah. So the, the, we we had goal. Emma was actually my goalkeeping coach for oh, wow. the academy. Um, Can you imagine so, that's, that's so your, cool. That's your starting career with Emma Burns. Yeah. So yeah. So she'd obviously coach me throughout the day, and then obviously I'd go and train with her in the night time, and I was like, this is really weird. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was a great experience to be able to to learn under her, and obviously she was a, she was a big legend of the game. So still is, hundred percent. Um, I mean, Finn, our producer, has put in here another stereotype that goalkeepers are the loners of the squad. What? Which I find highly offensive and very rude. <laughs> if he'd said weirdos, like, fine, <laughs> but loners. Yeah. I would really beg to differ. I think goalkeepers have the biggest personalities in the squad. You have to, to be able to shout at 10 players for 90 minutes and tell them what to do whilst also concentrating on what you have to do in that split second moment. It's like one of the hardest things on the planet. Um, Did you guys get like, ex- did you ever do like fines meetings and stuff like that with squads or like, initiation stuff and I always found that like goalkeepers always got the most I found I always got the most punishment out of these things because I was a goalkeeper there were so many things they could like label you for it is big like a stereotype like for goalkeepers, you're you're weird. Like yeah, I always used to get told, "You are so normal for a goalkeeper," and I'm like, "Do I take this as a compliment, or <laughs> or is it that like still offensive?" I'm not too sure. Um, but I think obviously I I played at quite a few teams. Uh, <laughs> um, but every every time, obviously, I went to a new team, I had two two personalities really one off the pitch and one on the pitch like I would go onto the pitch and I'd turn into a completely different human and everyone used to be like who the hell is she Mm -hmm. who's this girl who just baked us lovely treats and like (laughs) now she's screaming at me yeah but I think obviously my role changed at every single team like I started off at Arsenal kind of learning the trade almost Um, same with Brighton obviously had my injuries and then I went to to Leicester and, and Southampton and that was more of an opportunity to be more of an experienced player and I think that changed changed me like personality wise as well and like the initiations came and I just went for it mm-hmm. um but I think for yeah that was kind of a big difference for me is you probably looked at me and met me at one team when I was at the start of my career and then you looked at me at the compl- at the end and I was two completely different people and just on that what what have your initiations been so for you allowed to say uh well I always um singing have, be singing I used to grow up with my my brother and my mum we had a song um and oh my god my mind's gone blank oh my god you're gonna be disowned you've just slated your dad and now you've forgotten the song like you're not gonna be allowed home ain't no mountain high enough oh yeah. what a track so I'll, I'm not gonna um kind of why I'll do the other bit please don't <laughs> uh, but yeah unless it's Buble she doesn't want to know that, no. that that was my song um for a long time and yeah so it kind of had something for me a little bit more of a personal thing that obviously everyone knew, um, which was nice. But yeah, it made it com- comfortable for me to be able to do it in front of everyone. Love they always that. make it really embarrassing things. You've got to do it like at the front of the bus, like on the way on an away game, where you've got to do it in like the hotel when you get there, or like it's just it's a public embarrassment. You've um, got to just go for it though, don't you? Like, yeah, I mean, there's no point being shy about it because you've got to do it. So no, it's worse if you're shy yeah, about it. Yeah, it's awkward. Yeah, I mean, preferably you're better with props like wigs and like an actual microphone and maybe some dress up as well. Like, you, okay, you might as well. Just Chloe's initiation. Fair, she yeah. whips out her costume bag. One sec, guys. Literally, <laughs> I want to see your initiation. If this is what you get, hundred percent. And I won't be telling any more people about that. Uh, that's my alter ego. Um, I mean, looking back at sort that's of Morky underscore sixty nine. That was a different era. I've retired now from both performing and goalkeeping. 
Uh, I mean, Saif, looking back over the ways in which uh, goalkeeping's changed over the course of your career, I mean, when you first started to where we are now in terms of the sort of the techniques, the things that we're being asked to do, I mean, distribution's become such a massive part of the goalkeeping game. I mean, how much have you seen a big difference in how things were to how things are now? Yeah, I agree. Obviously, um, in goalkeeping, everyone thinks the most important thing is saving the ball at the minute and to be fair it is but mm. we do start the attack um as as well so for for terms of like in possession or distribution being able to play off both feet I think I, there was at one point throughout the game last week with Mary she clipped the ball out with her left foot mm. and it went straight to Lucy Bronze's feet and I was like yes pinpoint like and you look at the quality now and it is amazing. I mean, I wish I could do that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it has changed. And I think now, like in training, you would you would be involved more with like the possession stuff um, and stuff like that um, because you are, you are having to use your feet more and there's different techniques to be able to... You don't just go and kick the ball out of your hands. You've got like the sidewinder now. Oh, or, side volley man. Uh, you used to see when you was younger, like people just volleying it up right into the air <laughs> waiting for it to come down snow on it and then drop and it's just who has the most the biggest head Who's on nearest. the pitch yeah. um, but the quality now that you see um, but even like the vision and communication yeah. like you know a, a player will get plaudits because they cut out a pass and you know, they cut out that pass because the goalkeeper has said step right or step left yeah. or you know how do they see that player down there how do they get that vision because right? your goalkeeper said such and such is free up and you're like you know you see so much of the pitch and you communicate so much to the players in front of you and you often don't actually get because no one can hear you you don't actually get that communication and the organisation and the knowledge of the game I think for me is one of the most important things and I think that's what sets aside a good goalkeeper to being one of the best in Mm. being able to organise and and cut out those attacks because that's the difference of them say for example going one on one with you Mm. and and not even having, having that opportunity um, I think is really important. I think, um, I mean, you touched on it there, is that it's not an isolated position anymore. It's not just shot stopping. You're actually an integral part of the game. And I think you only, you've only got to look at Mary Earps' positioning when all the outfield players, like very much in the final third, like she will be stepped up to the halfway line to be that kind of outlet if the ball comes back and also to keep high just in case there's any through balls over the top. So in doing that, I think automatically she's already cutting off any counterattacks from from those balls over. So it's just, it's minute details like that. Um Okay, go on. Serious question for you both. Obviously, we only do serious here. Maybe maybe last question here, because I think this is an important one. Go on. And I feel like you're both going to say Mary Earps. Okay. Um, but we have obviously discussed, you know, your, your Emma Burns, your Hope and stuff. Who's good back in the day? Who's the best in the world right now? And if you're going to say Mary Earps, give me someone else as well. I'm actually going to stick it out there. Anne Ketchenberger, mm-hmm. the, her story actually really inspires me and the fact that she can go through what she's gone through but still be one of the best goalkeepers in the world, I'm going to say. And that is um, cancer twice, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that is just so inspiring to be able to do that. But like, it is a hard position. So mm. the fact that she can still play and she makes she makes great saves, like she keeps Chelsea sometimes in the games to be able Look to Look at the Champions win. League. Exactly. There's a save she made when they were battling Man City and it was they were playing Man City right towards the end of the season away at the Academy Stadium and there was a ball whipped in from a corner and I think it was like an Alex Greenwood or someone header. Like fizzing header. And I'll never forget the, the, the hand she got to it just above her head to mm. keep it out and it was like the 86th minute or something. And like there's just saves like that that stand out from some keepers where you think, my God. 
She Ow. makes title winning saves for me, yeah, yeah. like for for years now. Um, and I think, yeah, you say the Champs League last uh, last week, uh, where in yeah. the penalty shootout, like some great saves as well. And that mm. and, and that's the difference when you have a great keeper. That's that that like I said, it can be the difference of winning titles. So we know Mary Arps is the best. Yes. Who else? Uh, do you know what? It's a bit of a wild card and completely off the re- love it. Uh, Sophie Bagley. Oh yeah. We have not seen her in a bloody age because obviously where Mary Epps is at the moment but she was so good for Bristol and I think I do think it's a shame that she's jumped to Manchester United mm-hmm. because she's not getting that get but she is such an experienced such a, a brilliant keeper she did so well with Bristol like doing the best that she could to keep them from the relegation zone like her stats from that last season that they were up in the WSL were incredible I mean yeah I just wish we saw more of her so I think um Baggers I'm going to say that I'm really excited about the Irish goalkeepers we have. Um, Grace Maloney's always impressed me at Reading. Yeah. Um, Meg Walsh doesn't get enough credit because story. So Brighton faced so many shots that she will inevitably let in some howlers or concede a lot of goals. But my God, some of the saves she makes are incredible. Can I and please say, just I'm just going to stop, she is one of the goalkeepers that my dad coached. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's You know she's Awkward. good. <laughs> and then, but no, yeah, I totally agree with you. She is a great keeper. And Courtney Brosnan has yep. been superb. She played, Everton, yeah. Ireland played the USA the other night um, over in Texas. They lost 2-0. Um, but Courtney Brosnan was fantastic again. Um, so I'm really excited about the the talent, the Irish talent. And Mackenzie Arnold and Ellie Roebuck. I mean, as as a WSL goes, it's a pretty star-studded goalkeeping mm. lineup um, across all the teams. Um, I mean, so if, going forwards, uh, I mean, you mentioned to us just just before we started the pod, just a small, tiny achievement that Safe's achieved. Um, what are you doing next, mate? Where are you going to be? Well, I have a few things. Probably do you? That tomorrow I do actually fly out to Mexico. Oh. So just a little bit of, of a backstory. So I've retired. I've had too many injuries. I've said I am not doing anything anymore. If I'm in football, it will be coaching or broadcasting or something like that. And my friend rings me. She's like, Soph, we don't have a goalkeeper uh, for beach soccer. Do you want to come train? Do you want to come? I was like, no, sorry, I'm retired. Like, I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> Leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then she's like, it's in Mexico. I was like, yes, please. <laughs> Get me out there. Like, here's my passport. I am Cancun, packing right now. Yeah. So, yes, we fly into Cancun uh, tomorrow. And, yeah, it's my first tournament. Um, I've not. I've trained a few times. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's quite... It's very different to normal football. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing at the moment. Just that. Just Team GB. Cool. All right. Just going to throw that in a really subtle, subtle way. We will definitely have you back on the pod uh, to pick up after you've been to the tournament and also to find out how your, your journey's going with beach soccer because that is, that's incredible. Like, congratulations. That's unreal. Yeah, that's unreal. Um, also but, super jealous. Yeah, for sure. I mean, think of us when you're in Cancun when the she weather like, is like this. Yeah. <sighs> You were too busy while I'm burning. Like, yeah. My factor plus <laughs> is packed. My All that's big in the bag. Bottle, yeah. yeah, stay safe out there. So goalie gloves and sun cream. I'll be like getting my my cap out. Like <laughs> you know, one of those keepers you see with their caps. That's gonna be me. Oh, oh my god. Well, we wish you the best of luck. No, thank you for having me. It's gonna it. be an incredible tournament for you. Um, yeah, and we'll catch up with you later on in the year. Uh, yeah, we'll have to have you back on and find out how you're doing with more treats. With more treats, yeah, sure you can only come back on if, or brownies or just en- anything actually. Put your requests in. Do we do requests? Go, yeah. Amazing. All right, sweet. Well, we'll get thinking. And uh, listeners, if you want any kind of baked treats uh, from Sophie Harris, then also give us a shout on the old DMs. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Upfront. Check out this morning's bonus episode with Football Beyond Borders if you haven't already. A really fascinating conversation uh, with Salon. If you've got any questions for us, please tweet us at Football Ramble. Rachel's at Girls on the Ball and I am at Morgie underscore 89. We will see you next week. Upfront is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,